Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Joshua chapter 14. Brace yourself. I have a powerful word to preach to you. Joshua chapter 14 and uh, New International Version. Find verse 6. Joshua 14, verse 6. And if you're all there, say, woo! All right, we do have some notes for you. Here we go. Are you ready? Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephthuna, the Kenzanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. I want you to read that with me. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Let's say that too. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Verse 9. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while, Israelite, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me today. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and the cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, everybody say that, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. Hallelujah. So Hebron belonged to Caleb, the Kenzanite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. Come and speak to us. Take a coal from your altar, I pray. Place it upon my lips that as I preach would burn faith in every single one of our hearts. I thank you that you've been doing this word in my life over this past week. And I thank you for the encouragement that you released to the, the, the first service and the people that came and those that listened online. And I thank you for the anointing that breaks yokes. I thank you for discouragement being broken. I thank you, Lord, for releasing of your grace and your power today. Lord, touch each and every one as they've driven from afar and even near. Let you be pleased and all that's in your heart be accomplished today through the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We do have some notes for you. I've entitled it, A Tenacious Divine Determination. Tenacious. I have uh, had the great joy, well, I don't know if I could say great joy, privilege. I had the privilege of running in a race, a foot race, a 5K race, uh, just this last weekend for, for uh, a local ministry. And they did it to raise money. Uh, HeartReach, it's called. How many of you heard of HeartReach? God, God bless them. And uh, they do a great job uh, helping families and, and promote uh, 
promoting pregnancy and Christian values in the community. And uh, we're behind them, we love them, and we esteem them. And so I had the opportunity of being a part of a race to try to raise money for them and uh, registered for that race. It's a 5K race, and it's about 180 people participate in it. They have bike riders and walkers, and they have people that run and, and so on and so forth. So I, I registered, and I... I'm not the kind that just does something and just hope that we can just, you know, hope we can finish. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm, 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 I'm in it to win it. And for me, I understand at 52, even though I feel like I'm 25, that I'm going to do my best, and I don't know where that's going to leave me, but, but my, my, the purpose of being involved is I had to keep telling myself because I'm a little bit competitive. The purpose of being involved is to pr- promote uh, heart reach and to, to see funds raised and that's the purpose. It wasn't about me running or winning some race. However, I am running and I'm going to do my best. So we got out there and uh, began to run. I checked out the field and I just wanted to beat all of the older dudes. Which I came in second place in my age division and was able to run 7 minute 30 second miles for which I give God all the praise. Yeah, that's pretty good for my age, and we'll, we'll do better, and God will help me. But as I was preparing this message, in fact, it's like 95% of the time when I'm preparing to preach to you something, I live the whole thing the week before. It's just how it is. So I'm preaching. I should have, I should have known. You know, I'm looking at this text, preaching on a tenacious divine determination that I probably would have, should have braced myself a little bit. And I knew I had this race, and I'm thinking, it's amazing. I'm going to have to pour myself out to get this thing done. Determination. Well, as I'm coming in the home stretch, there was these two girls, about 15 to 16 years old maybe, and uh, they were ahead of me for most of the race. And uh, I don't know if you've ever raced before or done anything like that, but they were my goal. You know, beat them. Let's at least beat them, right? I mean, they, they, were, they were doing a good pace, and I thought they were faster than what I could do, and I set it as a goal. If I could just beat them, then I'll just be in my personal best kind of thing. So as we turned halfway and began to come back, I got a bit of a, a better pace, and I got in front of them, which I was rejoicing. Come on, pastors beating 15-year-olds. Give them praise. <laughs> my, things have changed. So as I'm running... They're keeping pace with me. I can hear them behind me. And so I continued on. Now, as we turn the corner in the last quarter mile, I know that they're going to try to get me. Don't let, don't let the old guy win. You know, beat the old guy. I'm sure. I can almost hear it in the spirit. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like, how is this guy, you know? So they're, they're, they're gaining on me. I can hear it. So last quarter mile, I realize I've got to get everything I have. But I've already given everything I have. And I'm thinking to myself, oh God, help me. And I'm like praying in tongues in between breathing. You know what I'm talking about? Spitting everywhere, just like I just did. And and they're gaining on me, so I up the, you know, forget about your target heart rate. I threw all of that out. The Lord's gonna have to sustain me and 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 keep my heart in my chest, and 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 he's gonna have to protect me because I'm not letting no 15-year-olds beat me. You know what I'm talking about? They ain't happening. Because I'm going to have a tenacious, divine determination to beat those 15-year-olds. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. It was really about doing my best, but I, but I also didn't want to lose, and that's just being honest to them. 
So I pushed and pushed, and in the last, it's probably the last 50 yards, this young athlete, I, I just heard her step it up, and uh, I just asked God to help me, and I won, praise God. So <laughs> it was really ugly, though. As I crossed the finish, I ah! spit everywhere. It was, you know, as they walked off. And it took me like half an hour to recover, and I think I was trembling for the next hour and a half. Tenacious, divine, determination. Determination, right in your notes, is one of the definition of determination from Webster's Encyclopedia, Unabridged Dictionary, the English Language, New Deluxe Edition. Is the quality of being resolute, tenacious, firmness of purpose, a fixed purpose or intention. Determination doesn't happen unless there's a will to have it happen. There has to be a strong will for determination to come about. A strong will to do God's will, and I'm writing your notes, a strong will to do God's will is mandatory if you're going to cross over rivers and take cities. We've been preaching along the lines out of the book of Joshua, crossing over rivers and taking cities. The application, crossing over rivers, is crossing over obstacles, overcoming everything that comes your way. Taking cities is expanding the kingdom and taking territory that God said you could take. It's being who God says you could be, doing what God says you could do. It's having what God says you could have. God has made us to be the head, not the tail, the lender, not the borrower. He, we're supposed to be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed going in, blessed going out. We're supposed to be people that are more than conquerors. Can somebody say amen in the house of God? And in order to see that happen, you're going to have to have a strong will. You're going to have to have determination. You really need to do God's will for you, your family, the vision that God's given you. For us to fulfill what God's called us to do in the church, we have to have a tenacious, divine determination to do it. Will is a part of the personality. I've heard people say, well, I don't really have a very strong will. Stop. You, you're a Christian. You can have whatever, whatever you want to have. You can change because Jesus died on a cross and rose again from the grave and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you and you might feel like you have a strong will. You might feel like you can't make it, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can overcome. You can break that bondage. You can change your habits. You can be, you can be somebody who conquers all the rest of your life. You don't have to be, live a defeated life. You don't have to stay in a place of weakness and defeat. You can rise up and walk in power. On the other hand, there's those who have an untempered will, a strong will. I've got children that have a strong will. Somebody say, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, don't be, because if you pray for world changers, and I don't know what other kind of kids you should pray for. I mean, what do you want to pray for, weak, anemic kids that don't do anything? That's, that's weird. You need prayer if you think that way. I'm, I'm trying to raise uh, not only my own children, but spiritual children, trying to raise you up, trying to equip you so that you can overtake and conquer and fulfill the plan that God has for you. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to be some limp-wristed, you know, lackadaisical, lethargic church that lies down and lets the enemy trample over you and take your stuff. That's not, that's not, that's not even in the Bible. So I've, I prayed before they were a gleam in my eye. How many of you ever heard that expression? Before you're a gleam in your pappy's eye. 
Before that, I prayed, God, give us world changers. My wife and I did. God, give us kids that will change the world, Lord. And so, you know, when you pray that way, many times you get a, a strong-willed child. And we actually had somebody say, oh, I'm so sorry your children are strong-willed. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, it can be a challenge. But if you, if, if you can mold your children to, to put all of their, 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 their strongholds in God, not to be rebellious. I, you know, you look at, at Lucifer in, in Isaiah chapter 14. Lucifer, let me read this to you. He said in his heart, I will, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars. This is Isaiah 14, 13. I will sit in throne on the mount of the assembly. I, 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 I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Poof, that was it. He was cast out of heaven. Way too many eyes there. So an untempered will can be the height of evil. But it needs, our wills need to be tempered. And Jesus this is a perfect <coughs> excuse me, example of a tempered will. He's fully God, fully man, yet in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Not my will, but thine be done. He yielded to the will of his Father. If you're going to fulfill the plan that God has for your life, if we're going to fulfill the vision that God has for our church, if we're going to be a people that cross over rivers and take cities, you have to have a strong will to do His will. You have to will to do the will of God. It's not just going to happen. It doesn't just, it doesn't just take place. And, and again, back in your notes, the problem with us, or I should say the problem has been with me over years gone by, and maybe with you, the problem with us is that we take the will of God as an excuse for inaction rather than a mandate for exertion of everything that you have. Do you understand? I would not have been, and I'm not saying it's some, you know, how many, seven and a half minute miles is pretty lame actually in runner's world, but it was my personal best. So that wouldn't have happened if I didn't push it to the middle of the table and bet it all and give everything I had. See, God wants you to fulfill his plan, but you have to have a want to. God, have you heard this? I will if you will. The Lord has a plan, but if you don't purpose and align yourself with it, with a, with a tenacious divine determination, it's not going to happen. It won't happen. So many people think, well, if it's the Lord's will, then it's just going to happen. That's not true either. Listen, God has a will, you have a will, the devil has a will. And just because God's plan doesn't come about, then you just say it wasn't his plan? That's not biblical. That's not a biblical idea. It was God's plan to bring the children of Israel into the promised land in the previous generation, but they could not believe God. They were distorted and half-hearted, which we're going to look at in a second. And as a result of their distortion and half-heartedness, they didn't fulfill the plan, so God had to let them all die and bring another generation in. Well, that must have been the will of God. No, it wasn't the will of God. It was the will of God to take the land, but they couldn't believe. They were half-hearted. They didn't have a tenacious, divine determination to overcome, to go into the promised land. So not everything is God's will. Hello? Raise your hand if you have a will and you're in the building, you're online. Great, you have a will. So in this room right now, we have over 300 estimating, over 300 wills. That's a lot. Let's look at this. How to have godly determination. 
There's five things that I see from the text that'll help you and help me, help us, how to have a tenacious divine determination. Number one is found in verse seven. It says, I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Gadesh Barnea to explore the, explore the land. I brought back him a report according to my convictions. Base your life on faith-filled convictions. As the spies went out, all 12 of them, two came back with a report based on their convictions. Their conviction was this. God is for us. Who can be against us? He defeated Egypt. He brought us out. We crossed the Red Sea. He gave us manna. He brought water from the rock. We're the army of the living God. If God be for us, well, then we're just going to conquer. Oh, he's going to give us every place that we put the foot, the, our foot, or soles of our feet. We're going in. We're going to conquer. But the other ten had a different, had a different belief system. Now, the other ten didn't, didn't see it that way. I want you to look at Numbers 13, 27. How to have a godly determination. You've got to have conviction. Got to have some godly backbone. Joyce Meyer once said, as you're turning to Numbers 13, she was hearing somebody pray, Oh, I wish, I, I wish, I wish, I wish I could have a ministry like you, Joyce. And Joyce said, well, you don't need a wishbone. You need backbone, sweetheart. Well, let's move to number 13. If you're offended, it was Joyce Meyer. You can send her an email if you want to. Number 13, 27. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people, but, 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 the people who live there are powerful and cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Those are giants, okay? The Amalekites live in Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea. And Caleb says, shut up. It doesn't really say that. It's like the amplified Bracken version or something. <laughs> then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we're certainly able to do it, for we can certainly do it. You have two different views. Look at Numbers uh, chapter 14. Oh, I, I should read the, the rest of that. Verse 31, sorry. Numbers 13 31. But the men who had gone up said to him, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. <laughs> Do you get it? They're terrified. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. And they said the land we explored devours those living in it. That's an exaggeration. All the people we saw there are of great size. Not all the people were of great size, just the giants. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. We seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we looked the same to them. Their perception of themselves was they were itty-bitty, insignificant little grasshoppers who couldn't do anything, so they wouldn't be able to do anything with the giant. Was that God's view? No, it wasn't. Chapter 14, verse 6. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb were among those who explored the land. They tore their clothes. And they said the entire Israelite assembly, 
The land we pass through and explored is exceedingly good. It's not just good, it's exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. These two totally different perspectives on fulfilling destiny and purpose. I've found the same true in the church today. There's so many people that wring their hand and worry about stuff, got no authority, no power, no unction to function, to fulfill anything. They're riddled by fear, half-stepping, half-hearted, blind as a bat. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You say, well, you're talking about me. Well, then listen to the message. It's going to help you. He came to in conviction in the core of his being. He, according to his convictions, what are your convictions? Is God going to fulfill the dreams that he has that you have? Is God going to fulfill his word towards you? If, you? if you aren't convicted that that's true, that you have a conviction that that's God's plan, then you will never fulfill it. You've got to will to will the will of God. You've got, you've got to do his will, and to do his will requires determination. It doesn't just happen. The second thing I see, there's five of them, so the second one, give yourself wholeheartedly to the Lord. That's verse 8 of our main text. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord God, my God wholeheartedly. God spoke to me this morning as I was praying and meditating on this text that half-hearted worship and theological distortions release fear. Let me say that again. If your theology is skewed, your view of who God is in your own heart and mind is the most important view, is the most important understanding you have. The thoughts that you have towards God, C.S. Lewis said it this way, the thoughts that you have towards God are the most important thoughts in your head. Because if you have a view of God that he's just some loving slave owner or, or he's trying to put sickness to teach you on, on you to teach you something or, or that death comes from God or that sickness and cancer and disease comes from God and he doesn't really want to bless you, he's just trying to get you humble or trying to, trying to do some other kind of confounded nonsense. It's not even a biblical idea. God is good and he wants to help you, wants to bless you. He's called you to be his precious chosen people, peculiar we are. Then he puts the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead alive on the inside of you. We are his house. So when God says you can do it, then you've got to have a conviction. You've got to wholeheartedly say yes. And you've got to get in the word and you've got to make that thing real. The word of God is more real than your circumstances. Come on, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain, will endure forever. Half-stepping in God produces confusion and fear. If you're a leader and you're not convinced of what God's called you to do, trade your, take off your little leadership coat and get in line. Go follow someone that's full of faith. Don't bring confusion on people. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, well, I don't know, you know. You better find out. You better know. The trumpet has to be blown clearly because if it's not, it brings confusion in the camp. Some of you leading your family, you're confused. Double-minded, double standards everywhere. Serve God, but then you've got all kinds of nonsense going on in your house, your foul mouth. Cursing, lying, phone rings, tell your kids, it can tell that, you know it's a creditor, it's like 888 number or whatever. I wouldn't know anything about that. Many years ago, 
God's helped me get my house in order. Did you tell your kid to answer the phone? Just tell him, I'm not here, I'm not here. When you are there, someone comes to the door. I'm not here, tell them I'm not here. You're teaching your kid to lie. Everybody say, Lord, I'm going to follow you wholeheartedly. Say it. I'm, I'm. Yeah, that's the second thing. The first one is what? The, f- the first one is what? you got to live by faith-filled conviction. you got to have conviction. Base your life on faith-filled convictions. The second thing of how to have a godly determination so that you can fulfill the plan of God for your life. Number two, give yourself wholeheartedly to the Lord. When I finish that race and I beat those 15-year-olds, bless God. I'll tell you what I could say. I had gave it everything I had. You should have seen the guy with the TV camera. I'm hoping to God it's not on like the news or something. I mean, I'm coming. It was really ugly. I won't even try to tell you what that looks like. It was really, really ugly. And he's just all up in my face with this giant TV camera. I'm just like, dude, get away from me, you know? But I, 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 gave, it, I gave it everything I had. If you're going to see God's plan come about, you will have to give it everything you have. And that's a reasonable thing we should do when we consider what he's done for us, that he's died on a cross and rose again from the grave. So, so, so you, the reasonable thing is to be a living sacrifice, a reasonable act of worship, wholeheartedly. The third thing I see is stand on God's promises, verse 9. It says, so on that day Moses swore to me the land in which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. It's a personal word to Caleb. That personal word, if you understand the context of it now, it's repeated in Deuteronomy 11. You can turn there. Moses says in Deuteronomy 11.22, if you carefully observe all the commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways to hold fast to him. Then the Lord will drive out these nations before you and dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. There's the promise. But the context, understand, was given to Caleb first. Every place, the soles of your feet. Listen, there's 7,500 promises in the word of God. They're the basis by which you pray. And I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know what pit you might have fallen into. And we all have a tendency to get in a difficult corner. Well, God will work everything for good if you'll, if you'll learn to, to turn, let him turn things around. Do, uh, Romans 28, Romans 8, 28. Then God works all things together for good for those that love him according to his purpose. It might not be good, but he will work it for good. He will turn it around. But you've got to position yourself and believe and stand on the promises. There's some of those old songs, you know, standing on the promises. You remember some of those old songs? You know, we need to declare that. You need to stand on God's promise. So no matter what you're facing, you get God's promise. I have a promise box. Some of your mama gave you a promise box or you got one. I think promise boxes are great. They, they now come in books. I've got, a, I've got a, numerous promise books. 
My favorite one is this leather bound and it's, it's this promise book. You can pull it out and there's all kinds of promises for healing, provision, power, authority. I mean, it's just every problem that you face, the word of God has a key to unlock every closed door. The word of God, there's a promise to, to, to combat the giant that you're facing today. But you've got to get that. You've got you've to search that out. Get that word, get that promise and make it yours. You've got to, it's got to become rhema on the inside of you, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Then you pull that thing out and you begin to declare, no, 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 by his stripes, I am. You take the head off of that thing. You've got a war with that. Come on, if you're going to fulfill, if we're going to fulfill, and we will, so help me God, and if it means death, so be it. Listen, I didn't come here for a job. This ain't about a job for me. That's long, long gone. I've been here almost 12 years. I ain't leaving. We're going to see a great revival. The average for most pastors is about two to, two to five years. They stay in a place, they leave. I ain't leaving. You're stuck with me. You don't like it, you can go find another church. Praise the Lord. Just smile. Everybody's smiling. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My wife's not here, so I'm not so gracious. She's, she's doing something in the back. All, right, all the intercessors pray, please. Uh, we don't want anybody to leave, but at the same time, we're not making any excuses. We're here to fulfill God's plan and purpose. It takes a tenacious, divine determination to fulfill God's plan for your life. You're going to have to have faith-filled convictions, right? You're going to have to live according to those. What's number two? You got notes? Number two? Wholeheartedly. Number three? Stand on the promise. What promise are you standing on? What promise do you have? I've got promises that I'm standing on for my finances. Promises I'm standing on for my children. Promises I'm standing on for my marriage. Promises I'm standing on divine health. I say over and over, you might think it's crazy, but I'm going to live to 120, preaching, praying, prophesying, or the Lord will come back to get me. I don't know what will happen first, but I ain't dying early. I'm not going to get sick. I'm going to walk in divine healing and strength all of my life. How do you know that? Because the Word of God says it, so I speak it over my life. I'm blessed. I've found a wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing receives favor from the Lord. I have favor. I find parking spaces. I'm constantly chosen to be the winner. I can beat 15-year-olds in foot races at 52. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Stand on the promises of God. And whatever giant you're facing in any arena in life, get the word of the Lord. You could beat, you could beat the devil up with Jesus wept. You could just use that. Jesus wept. Jesus, Jesus wept. You could just take him out with that. Forget the wept. I mean, that's the shortest verse in all of scripture. Just say Jesus. Jesus. Ooh. Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Jesus. Just need that Hammond B3 right about now. <laughs> Bishop Robert Hooks gave us a Hammond B3 organ. I think it's from 1960-something. In mint condition, it's been crated. It's being shipped up. And Brother Toby learned how to play that thing. So we say, what is a Hammond B3? You'll see. You know what's funny? How many of you know what I, Come on, some of you folks have been in the church. Well, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Hammond B3. 
Stephen Furtick is, is a great man of God, great preacher, and he's, he's brought the Hammond B3 back in, the organ in the background. I, I read something where it's like, and yeah, he uses this newfangled way of preaching where he's got an organ in the background. I said, oh, God. Oh, God, God, help us. That thing's been around since before anybody here was born. Anyway, we're excited to use that. All right, I've digressed. Where are we? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is so good. Look at D. Look at D. Allow your vision, not your circumstances, to decide your actions. Oh, my goodness. You've got to align your actions with your vision, not the actions based on circumstances. If we did that, we'd be back in a little place called on Connie Street with about 50 people. But that's not the case. Why? Because God's given us a vision, and we've taken action on the vision, and God has miraculously come forward. It's by His grace. I understand that. But if God called you to do something, don't shrink back because you don't have any money. Don't shrink back because you don't have the people. Don't shrink back from what God called you to do. He'll bring it to you when you need it. And you contend and you believe. You don't, you don't take a step forward because you don't because it's not in your hand right now. If that was the case, we wouldn't even be building our building right now. Allow your vision. And you know what Caleb is saying says, I'm 85 now. I'm 85 now and just as strong. He's basically saying, look, circumstances have changed. But buddy, I got a word from God. That's my hill. That's my mountain. Just step out of the way. Give it, give it to me. I mean, it's just, it's just exuding confidence and faith. It's amazing. E, number five. Don't be afraid of giants, but rely on God's strength. Verse 12 and 13. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the An Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, everybody say that, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Wow. Paul said, when you're weak, it was a word from the Lord to him. The Lord said, when you're weak, then my strength is made perfect. Wow. Listen, just because you're feeling weak, that's a wonderful testimony of the opportunity of God's power to flow through you to get it done. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, worship team, please. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the excellency of his power may be seen. What does that mean? That means we're all crackpots, earthen vessels, every one of us. We're cracked and flawed, but by the power of God. See, so when God shows up through the likes of us, it's obvious that God's in doing something. I mean, it's crazy. It really is. How that building's going up. I've, I've had people call me. People that told me, you can't build a building that big. I had somebody say that. You can't build a building that big. Listen, it's not even that big. It's the right size for our growth pattern. And if you talk to anybody that's big, many, many times, in fact, I had somebody tell me, oh, it's too big, it's too big, it's too big. We'd go, we'd pray, the Lord's like, it's not too big. I'm like, okay, it's not too big, Lord. Lord, and everybody else said, it's too big, it's too big, it's too big. And it's not too big, the Lord said, it's not too big. Yeah, now, 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 now we're done, we're, we're, we're done. The size that it is, is the size that it is. We're, we're not changing things, that's it. And we've obeyed the Lord. Now I have people saying, oh, you've built too small. I'm like, oh, shut up. Make up your mind. Well, the Lord made up his mind. 
And we really believe that God told us the signs to do it. And I, and I had people laugh at me. Can't build that, you're in Wasilla. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You, you're, you're in Wasilla. How can you build a church that big in Wasilla? E easy. It's not even my idea, but I, we could just stay here and have 50 million services. No, but the Lord told us. And then he miraculously provided over and over and over. And you know, I'm so glad because I have a tendency to be dull. You know, maybe not you. Maybe you're as sharp as a tack. I have a tendency to be like, you know, I need a little extra encouragement from the Lord. There's so much the fingerprint of God that it actually gives me the fear of the Lord. There's so many miracles that, that I'm just kind of like, okay, this is yours. I get it. What do you want me to do? That's how it is. I don't even want to mess with it. You don't want to mess with God's stuff. If you don't understand it, be sure, be darn sure you don't speak against it because you end up in trouble that way. If it just seems like it's not God, well, just pray and, and he'll show you. I mean, everything's that way. Some things people do ego builds. 5,000 seats, that's not what the Lord said. He didn't say build a 5,000 seat auditorium. We built, what he, we built what we feel he told us. We took two years to plan it. Amen. Now we're building it. So I had people call me up. Some folks, well-meaning. They were a giant. They were a giant to me back in, back in the day. They're not giants anymore because we dropped it. You know what I'm talking about. You can't do it. Well, we are doing it. I had somebody laugh at me. I laughed back and said, well, I guess our meeting's done. Thank you for your time. Shook their hand. I got people calling back, hey, listen, you know about your church. <laughs> I just want to send them an invite to the grand opening. I gotta, I gotta be I gotta I gotta I gotta be careful. I gotta watch my heart. They don't you can get bitter, people. You know, don't don't get bitter. I'm forgiven. For the grace of God go I. Has anybody else been a stick in the mud? I have before. Anybody else? Somebody share something with you and you didn't jump on board and you like were an obstacle to somebody that God actually had spoken to? I've done that. I don't want to be like that. Don't be afraid of your giants. Whatever giant you're facing, let your giant prophesy to you. What do you mean by that? Why would the devil have a giant? What's he trying to defend? I mean, what's he nervous about? Nervous about something? Think differently. Think, huh, giant. With a head that big, I don't think I can miss with this stone. I mean, I, 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 wow. That is going to be quite a, wow, that's going to be an amazing victory. Think different. Don't allow giants to hold you back. Fear, rely on God's strength. All right, what's the result of, a go of godly determination? What's the result of tenacious, divine determination? The result, God's blessing. What? God's blessing. God will if you will. If you won't, many times he won't. But if you will, He will. You have to have an iron will to do the will of God. You have to stand and to declare it and proclaim it in the face of the opposition with people that might laugh at you. You have to get your confidence in a prayer closet, not by the accolades of man. You have to get it not by somebody affirming who you are all the time. You gotta get it from God. Should I should I do that again? Don't, don't look for somebody else to affirm you. Look for God to affirm you and God will do that through signs, wonders, and miracles and he'll come through for you. Come on, and then what happens by you having an iron will to do the will of God, for you having a tenacious, 
divine determination is the blessing of God. By you being determined, it releases God's power in the earth to see the blessing come about. Verse 13, and Joshua blessed. What did he do? Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance because he followed the Lord God of Israel wholeheartedly. Blessing on the, on the next generation too. Fulfillment of vision. The result of being determined is fulfillment of vision. And you know, the fulfillment of vision is not always in one generation. It's a multi-generation here. All right, God's speaking to us very simply as I bring this to a close. Don't give up on the dream. Don't give up. Do not give up on the dream. Don't do it. Don't cave in. Don't throw in the towel. You're made of stiffer, sterner stuff. You can make it. You can overcome. You can be more than a conqueror. You're his ambassadors. You're ministers of reconciliation. God called you to such a time as this. Such a time as this, he's called you to hold out the word of, of, of truth and shine like stars in the firmament. He called you for this hour in history to be a history maker, to be a, a history changer. He called you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. God is with you. He'll release supernatural strength, supernatural power. You can take your mountain. You can take your hill. You can overcome. You can overcome sickness, infirmity, disease. Oh, come on. Somebody say hallelujah. And then lastly, will to do God's will. You know, it's a crazy little thing. But that quarter mile as I turned, when I knew I was running my little race, this little microcosm of my message, and I could hear, you know, they're not the enemy, but it's like the enemy behind me. And then physically, as I'm running, the battle in my mind was, it was so intense because I'd already given it everything I had, and now, now I got a quarter mile, and these girls are gonna beat me. But that's like, that, that can't happen. Be a different message. And so as I'm running, I'm like, come on, Bracken. I talk to myself. Does anybody else? Listen, healthy people talk to themselves. You tell yourself to shut it. Shut your mouth. I'm talking to myself, so I'm running. I'm like, come on, Bracken. Come on, Bracken. And I, I'm sure they can hear me like, what a crazy, be careful when you're passing him, you know? And so I'm pushing. I get to the place where I, I know my heart rate. I know where I'm at. I'm way maxed. Way, way maxed. I'm just thinking like, oh, running out of just, it's just, you're 52. Just, you're, it's a little much. Just, it's, it's just a little race. You've given it the best you can. Just relax. Don't, hey, watch your heart. What? Oh, you don't want a heart, heart attack. I'm like, shut up. And I can hear the right behind me. And they're like, no, just let it go. No. Let him go. And then it's like, no, I made it my goal. Lord, I made it my goal to beat these two. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And then I can just hear them. They're right there. And I don't know what happened. I just, God.
put a grace on me so I can share the message probably. I think I grunted and moaned, stepped it up, and in that last 50 yards, girlfriend, I know it's crazy. The line, I, uh, uh, and then the guys with the camera, I'm like, jerk. I'm like, where's the water now? Ain't nobody bringing me any water. I'm nearly ready to hurl. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? That's the way it is sometimes. But joy comes in the morning. Joy, 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 joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night. You might feel like you're not going to make it. Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. But you can do it. You can make it. You can overcome all the days of your life. He'll strengthen you. He'll help you. The giants are falling in this hour. Have a godly conviction. Follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Joy, joy comes in the morning. And it's morning somewhere right now. Did you get something from God? Put your hands together for Jesus. When you think about the Syrophoenician woman, you think about that woman who had a disorder, a blood disorder, that would be out there in the crowd would have been really, if she was caught, would have been death because it was breaking Levitical law. She was unclean, but she pressed through the crowd. She pressed through the people, and somehow she touched the hem of his garment, and in the touching of the hem of his garment, virtue was released from our Lord and Savior, and she was healed. Some of you are in a crowd. Don't let the crowds of people opinion hold you back. Don't let the way that you feel hold you back. Come on, you might feel tired. So what? Get up. Get to prayer. Put yourself in a position where the glory can be poured out upon you. Begin to declare, I'm going to make it. I'm going to take my mountain. I'm going to take my hill. The church will be built with shouts of grace, grace to it. There'll be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people coming to Christ. They'll move even into Alaska to get touched by God. There's a great revival that's coming. There's a great outpouring that's upon us. Do you perceive it? Can you see it? Come on, declare and proclaim it over your family. God is releasing His power, His kingdom. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will talk. Oh, the lame will walk, the mute will speak. Come on, say amen. Lift your hands all across this place. Let me pray an application to, to the message and then we'll close here in just a moment. I pray for every discouraged person. That discouragement would go and that you would release by the anointing of the Holy Spirit strength. A will to do your will. I pray, oh God, that you'd release upon us even a desire to be wholehearted. We would live by our faith-filled convictions in the Word of God. That's where we find those in your Word. It would be men and women of conviction. We'd be men and women of prayer. We would declare, we would proclaim, as it says in Job, decree a thing and shall be established. We decree, we proclaim your word being abroad in our fam brought, brought about in our families, in our community, in our nation. We decree it, we proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of God and the salvation to all that believe. 
We bind demon power today that comes to try to steal, kill, and destroy. We curse the work of darkness. We curse sickness and disease. We curse the work of discouragement. In the name of Jesus, I pray, release boldness. Release fire. Release your anointing. Release your enablement. Lord, release fresh determination to do your will in our families, in our community, in our nation. And we receive it and all in agreement and all that wanted said, amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, don't you leave this place in that condition that you came in because there really is a place called hell. It was not created for you. Hell is for those who reject the Lord and really was created for the devil and his demons. It's not created for you. God made a way for you to be forgiven, to be washed, to be cleansed. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Everyone has lied, everyone has stolen, everyone has cheated, everyone. All of us have. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And He reaches to you through my voice this morning. And He asks you, don't reject Him anymore. Don't be the, don't be the, the, the man or the woman with the hammer in His hand. You crucified Christ. So did I. But we receive new life. We're born again. When we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Savior, and ask Him to wash us. But don't play religious games. Don't play religious games. Don't do it. It's very dangerous. It's not the hour to play a religious game. Get real with God. If you're not real with God, this is your opportunity. You might not have another moment. Those online, those in the auditorium, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You want to make a recommitment, possibly. Maybe you did live for him, but now you need to recommit because you know you drifted. You know you're compromised, and you know it. Or thirdly, the enemy just lies to you, and you're not sure, but you really want to be sure that you're saved. If you fit in any of those three categories, giving your heart to Jesus for the first time, or secondly, number two, the second category is getting right with him because you drifted, you're compromised, and you know you're not sold out. You know you're not following wholeheartedly after the Lord. Number three, you just want to be sure. All across this place, on the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it right now. Raise your hand high. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Raise your hand high if you want to be included in this prayer. God bless you all the way in the back. I see that hand. I see that hand in the back right there. Thank you. Put your hand high if you want to be included. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty, sir. My brother. Thank you. Anybody else? I see your hand. God bless you, man. Thank you, Jesus. If you're serious about it, never want to embarrass anybody, but if you're serious about getting right with God, I'm going to invite you as soon as Hannah, my lovely daughter, as soon as she sings, begins to sing, I want you to step out from where you are and meet me right here. There's others coming with you, so you come. Come on, come right now. Come on, come. You're going to get right with God. Come. Come as close to my hand as you can. Come on, come. You raised your hand or you didn't. You know you need to be up here. Come on, come. Come on. Come on. Right on. Come on, church. Put your hands together. If you need to come, come right now. Come on, come. There's others coming. Jesus right now. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Come on, sing with us.
Come on, congregation, just sing what a powerful. What a powerful name it is. Hallelujah. Pray this right out loud. Those that have come up front, those that are in the congregation, those online. And just mean it with all your heart. Say, dear Heavenly Father, right out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. And to rise again from the grave for me. Come on, right out loud. And to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. I'm coming to you the best way I know how. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I'll say this. Say, I'm born again. I'm made new. My sin is forgiven. Say it. My sin is forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. He's got a plan for my life. And I will fulfill it with His help. Lord, give me a hunger for Your Word. And free me from any bondage, from any chain. And use my life for the purpose for which I was created. Amen. Lift your hands, a universal sign of I surrender. Holy Spirit, I pray. Lord, touch. Lord, bring healing. Bring the blessing of God upon these in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you for a new day. Thank you for a new day, God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I break the assignment of the enemy off of these in the name of Jesus. I break every curse. I break every vow. Even generational sin. I break your power right now in the name of Jesus. And I proclaim over these freedom. I proclaim over them liberty. I proclaim over these, Lord, the born-again new creation, life abundant in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it. Come on, put your hands together for God. Pastor Vince, would you come, Pastor Vince? Before you guys go back to your seat, this is Pastor Vince Vinson. He's going to lead you right through those double doors. Just give us about three minutes, will you? Come on, just three minutes. We're going to help you grow in God. Put your hands together for these guys. Just right out in the lobby. Three minutes will be done. Come on, lift your voice. Holy Spirit!
that every promise in the Word of God is yes and amen. It is not an ambiguous blend of maybe, and it's not given to some certain special people. Except those certain special people will be those who actually contend, lay hold, and declare it, proclaim it, and expect it. It requires faith to access the promises of God. Confident assurance of what you cannot see, Hebrews 11. You mix faith with the Word, and you speak it, you declare it. And God will begin to release miracles for you in every area you contend according to the promise. Does that make sense? That means you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Now, he didn't tell you, no matter what the song is, you can't jump off a building and fly. I believe like you can't fly. Okay, so the, the Word of God is a boundary by which you can't go outside of that. And sometimes there's timings. We'll stick around and we'll help you. We're a supernatural people. Don't accept that which Jesus was crucified and rose again from the grave for. Don't, don't accept defeat. There's no such thing for the Christian. There's no such thing. If it's dead, he can raise it up. If it's broken, he can fix it. If it's sick, he can heal it. He's God. And God has chosen you. He's chosen me to be his ambassadors, to be his ministers of reconciliation. But you have to will to do his will. Don't be a lazy Christian that rests on the sovereignty of God. I believe in the sovereignty of God. That means God does what he wants, when he wants to, whoever he wants to. And he said, well, the sovereignty of God, the free will of man. You can, you can begin to believe for things to happen. We can hasten his return. You know what that means, hasten? That means the way in which you live, the way in which you pray, can actually bring the return of Christ quicker. Now there's certain things that need to happen, so don't blow this out. But you've got a will to do His will, and when you do that, you will see miracles, signs, and wonders. You just will. That, that's what that's what'll happen. You, you get it? Did you get it this morning? We're gonna cross over rivers. We're gonna take cities. We're gonna build the building. We'll go on to other buildings beyond that. We'll see thousands and thousands. We'll see America come to another great awakening. I believe for that. I'm believing for God to pour out His Spirit, that the fire of the Holy Spirit will be all over every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and then, then we'll go up. I don't know the timing of it all, but I'm going for everything. How about you? Come on, let's close. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. And give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Church tonight, 6 o'clock. Pastor Kirsten going to be preaching. We love you.